I'll be reading from uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 32. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was, ju was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him upon his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Join me in Luke chapter 2 just before the passage that Manuel read. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, meaning Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of doves, or two young pigeons. Jesus is in the process, Mary and Joseph, excuse me, are in the process of fulfilling, in many ways, prophecy. They named him Jesus, which, as you know, as soon as the person said it, and then the tradition would be that the baby would be handed to the rabbi that was going to do the circumcision, he would ask what the name was. And again, what would be expected would be a family name. The, the scene is played out better in the John the Baptist scene where, where they call him John and they, they give acceptance. Oh, wait, 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 it can't be John. That's not a family name. He said, no, 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 that's the name the angel gave him. And so now Jesus, as they hand the baby to the rabbi for him to be circumcised, they, and he asks, what will his name be? And as much as they said with their mouths, Yeshua, what they meant and what they heard and what was said was from that moment, in fact, from eight days prior to that, and for all the planning that God had done leading up to this moment in history, God saves. Say that out loud because it rings in your ears. God saves. And now, now just add this one word, God saves me. God saves me in the person of Jesus they fulfill the prophecy, but they also are very powerfully fulfilling the law. Mary, as a pregnant woman having given birth, had a time of purification. And probably some of God's intent in that was to keep her away from people, keep the baby away from people for a while to let her heal and to get back on her feet. But when that time was ended, they headed and, and they, they were there, just, just half a day's walk from Bethlehem down into the valley and up the hill, up into Jerusalem to go to the temple to make sacrifices for their firstborn child. As Roger pointed out to me earlier this morning, they went 
to redeem him. That's the word. They went to redeem Jesus. And in the same way, they will, Luke will tell the story of Jesus coming to John to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is fulfilling everything that Jesus wanted to ha- that God wanted to happen. And it wasn't Jesus making the decisions at this point. It's Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph fulfilling what God wanted, doing everything in their power to step into the righteousness that God had called them to. Little did they know how that redemption would ultimately be accomplished. But in reality, Luke describes this scene, and it's interrupted. My guess is it's actually before they offer the sacrifices. It's interrupted by someone that we don't tell about in the nativity stories. When we, when we put together our Fontanini, we don't have a Simeon and an Anna. But Simeon, as, as Manuel read about, comes up. And in a very powerful way, takes the child, and I love the phrase, takes him into his arm, and he begins to sing. I don't know what it would be like. Simeon is old enough that he has been waiting for this moment. And I don't know how he knew exactly that that moment and that child, except that the Holy Spirit had told him that moment and that child is going to be the redemption. He's going to ask, what's his name? And they're going to say, Yeshua. And he's going, oh, of course he's Yeshua because he's going to save us. I've been waiting for this. And I don't know what his, let's, let's just take a guess, round number, 80-year-old voice sounded like. But my guess is that day it had no bearing on his physical limitations because the Spirit filled him. Did you hear his song? Let me now depart in peace, for I've seen it. I've seen your salvation. This one that they called Yeshua, God saves, Jesus. And he's a light. To everyone. And and this is someone standing in the temple. A traditional Jewish person. Standing in the temple saying, this is the light for the Gentiles. And he will be the ultimate glory of his people Israel. A very ominous foreshadowing of how different Jesus' return trip 30 years later to Jerusalem will be. Remembers Luke's description. Daniel read it, but you may not have caught it. Sometimes we, we fly by the words so fast. The parents bring him, and, and I don't know, maybe you're not one of those parents. Maybe you're one of those parents that kind of holds the baby out like this. I don't see many like that. Even if you have them in the carrier, the carrier's not held out here. Not just because you can't carry him out there, but you hold the carrier close. You hold that baby close. And Mary comes walking into the temple area, and I don't know how the scene went exactly. I don't know if Simeon came up and hip-checked her and grabbed the baby at the same time. I don't know if he said, may I? I don't, it's not told to us, but it is Simeon taking. The text doesn't actually say that Mary offered. Simeon takes the baby in his arms. I got confirmation this morning that not every mother would be all that thrilled with the fact that this somebody, stranger, by the way, they don't know who this is. But just for a minute, realize that Everything about this process has been strange for Mary and Joseph. The predictions, the leaping of, the, of John in, in Elizabeth's womb, Mary giving birth to a child in a, in a stable and having to place him in a manger, shepherds arriving looking for a baby in a manger. And now this. And what we can't deny 
is that whatever perspective Mary had on being a first-time mother, whatever perspective she had on what she was carrying, on the real meaning of what the angel said, this baby is not from Joseph, your husband. This baby is from the Holy Spirit. And this baby is coming to save his people. They called him Yeshua. Whatever motivated her, she seems ready to share him. Sharing Jesus. Sharing is what she's done from the very beginning. We're not told. Somebody in Bible class this morning asked a great question. I love the question. Did the shepherds ask to hold the baby? The answer was yes if you wash your hands first. But whatever the process was, she was ready to to let him be held by Simeon. I don't know if Anna took him in her arms or not. We're not told. Anna's it, it appears possibly even older than Simeon is, and, and she may not have felt herself stable enough to do that. You can imagine that fear. I remember the fear that some of you had when I, when I brought my firstborn grandchild up here and held her in my hand, and you thought she was just going to fall out of my hands because I was kind of holding her. I wasn't, didn't have her all cuddled up close. Can you imagine an 80-year-old man picking your child up and holding him up in the air and then starting to sing? And there is no objection that's recorded by Mary. In fact, what the text says is they just take it all in. They don't object, they don't fight, they don't anything, they just take it all in. They're amazed by everything that goes on. But, again, Simeon's not the only person. Let's continue reading in Luke chapter 2. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, I love this. What does the Holy Spirit do? He kind of ranges things in a way we don't always anticipate. You've had this happen in your life. Whether you've said Holy Spirit or not, you've said, Wow, how did it happen that way? Wow. She comes up at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption, to the redemption of Jerusalem. Can you, can you hear? She, I found Yeshua. I found Yeshua. And they're, yes, yes, God is going to save. I know Messiah is coming. No, 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 no. There's a baby, and his name is Yeshua. And I saw him today. He's coming. He's not just coming. He's here. He's come. And I have a feeling they reacted almost exactly the same way that you and I would some to, to some kind of message. Yeah, sure, old lady. Because 30 years later, they're not waiting for Messiah to come. Luke is doing something here, a balancing act that he does throughout the entire gospel. If a, if a man does something in response to God, there's almost always a woman who does something in response to God. Kind of like Annie Oakley, the song from Annie Oakley, Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. I would note it, show you that Simeon sings a song. Anna goes and preaches. Anna goes and tells everyone that she can find what she's heard about. Anything you can do, I can do better. But note that both of them. Their reaction is praise, their reaction is blessing, their reaction is thanksgiving, and we can't help but see it. Their reaction is joy at what God was doing. Yeshua has come. God is coming to save us. Things are changing. And as Simeon said, not just for us, 
but for everyone. So it's not just the process of sharing Jesus that we get to participate in that brings us great joy, but in reality, that praise, that thanksgiving, that, again, that joy that, that is so far beyond. Maybe, maybe the lights and the trees and the presence point to that ultimate reality, but they aren't the reality. They aren't the center of the joy. Jesus is the center of the joy. Somebody say amen. It comes from not just sharing Jesus, but the process of sharing in Jesus. I want to be somebody. I want to be somebody who shares in Jesus. I went to the waters of baptism, not these. There's some in temple. And he filled me up with his Holy Spirit, drove out my sin. And every day since then, plenty of stumbling along the way, make no mistakes, but I want a little more of Jesus. I want to share in him. We came to this table, and these elements were presented to you, and you were offered the opportunity to what? To share in Jesus, to make him a part of you. And I'm really glad that he didn't say, stand up in the middle of the service and say some special words and pray a prayer and then get going because Jesus is part. But he made us take something. I realize it's pitiful little compared to what it should be. But you take something. It's now rolling around in your gut. He's part of you. And you are part of him. Joy. Sharing, discovering and experiencing the joy of sharing in Jesus. First of all, again, I don't know how Mary and Joseph did it. First time parents, I know this scene. You've heard me say before, we have a new baby in the audience, and I don't want you to be, don't make too much noise, don't come up and go grab that baby, protect that baby, keep your germs away from it, all those kinds of things. But that's not how Mary did it. Maybe it's because she had that unique perspective that unlike any other child she would have, and she had more children, and unlike any of those other children that she understood, this child was a gift from God. We need to understand that Jesus as a gift rather than a possession. You know those things that you kind of hold on to, right? Those things that you put away when the grandchildren come to the house because you don't want them broken, right? We did a lot of that over the last two weeks, just so you know. Although mine are pretty good, I don't know. That, actually, I think that's my wife being pretty good at getting all the breakable stuff out of the way before they ever got there, giving credit to the wrong people. Those Things that we hold on to. This is mine. You can't have it. And to a certain extent, we need to build our church buildings with more glass. Maybe no walls at all. Be a little cold. Be really hot here. I don't know. Church and mosquitoes. What are we going to do? Because the point is, is, is we don't gather together to hold closer to our possession. We gather together to be inspired to share the gift a little more. I've been to churches where you walk out the door and there's a sign facing only the people that leave and say, you're now entering the mission field. Go and share Jesus. Whether we have that sign or not, I hope that what I say and the way we do things around here, make sure that you understand that this isn't about us getting together to hold on to something. Although we want to hold on to Jesus, but maybe the best way to hold on to Jesus is to sharing with everywhere we go. 
Number two, the joy of sharing in Jesus comes when we're letting Jesus become the centerpiece. Not one on a list. By the way, not even the number one on the list. But becomes something that's beyond the list, the centerpiece of our goals, our themes, our purposes, and our lives. I, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, but I spend enough to know that some of you do resolutions at the turn of the new year. Lots of people do resolutions at the turn of the new year. I want to lose more weight. Somebody say amen for Alan. I want to be healthier. I want to I I be more financially sound. We're going to be doing a, a financial peace university fairly soon. But how many of us set goals that as a new year begins, as we have just celebrated the coming of Christ to save us, make a goal that our lives will be filled up with Jesus a little more? That we'll be given a sense of His presence a little more? That I will engage in habits, various habits, that will inform me of God's will and God's law and God's love and Jesus' saving power in our lives. See, it needs to not be one on the list. It doesn't even need to be number one on the list. It needs to be the whole purpose of everything that we do, the centerpiece, the foundation, the core. Should we live healthier? Yes. Should we deal with our financials, financials in a more responsible way? Yes. Should we improve our friendships? Yes. Our family relationships? Yes. We do all of that because of Jesus. Finally, I love this. You've got to see the scene. And, and if, if I haven't portrayed it well enough for you, my apologies. You've got to see the scene. Because here is this... I don't know how young Joseph is, but Mary is quite young. This young couple standing there handing a baby or watching a baby be taken out of their arms by this old couple. One of whom proclaims, I'm ready to die, that old. Let your servant depart in peace, I'm ready to go. Anna, who's at least 84 years old. We have these two extremes both sharing in Jesus. I'm always inspired. I go to camp. I love to serve there, and I think I have some gifts for that, but one of the reasons I go to camp is because I love to see the way these kids love Jesus. I love to say hi and give a hug to many of our members who obviously have to choose to be here and may need help to be here because their age has robbed them of their independence to do so. But they want to be here to praise and worship the Lord. I don't know what life stage you're in, but there are no life stages that don't have something, excuse me, that aren't completely infused and filled up and made whole by Jesus. Our teenagers are going to grow up and they're going to head off into different places. And there's this great temptation. Oh, well, new life, my life. I get to do what I want to do. And maybe God doesn't have to be part of that. Those are what the statistics say. There are those of you who raise children 
and they get through youth group, and you're done with youth group, and you're like, oh, well, that was exhausting. Can't we take a little rest? There are those of you who have careers, and, and you get involved in church, and, and, and your career and your work at church also seem to go hand in hand, and then you get to retirement, and it's like, whew, glad I don't have to do that anymore. This picture of the bookends of life, and by the way, an, a sub-one-year-old baby in between them, all there honoring God, celebrating in the joy that God will give us. Because in reality, there is no real, no full joy without Jesus, and I hope that that joy is part of your life. So God has chosen to share Jesus with us. God has chosen to share Jesus with us, but it's not just a joy that we get to hold on to, not just a joy that we get to say, look what I have, but instead it's a joy that's intended for the whole world. You may say, my circumstances aren't such that my life can be the full expression of God's joy right now. And I would say to you that whatever struggles in this life you have, you become an even brighter witness and testimony and light to the joy of Christ when you don't let the circumstances of life determine the joy that you want to share with everyone that you encounter. So the invitation today is to come, come share in Jesus however you want to do that. But more than that, the invitation is to be one of those people who's going to go and share Jesus in whatever way and however you can not out of guilt or some sort of sense of I've got I've to do this to check the right box. I'm going because he's given me joy.